is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Oh, baby, we're about 52 hours from kickoff. What a day it's going to be. I'm excited. You're in the locker room. The, the weekend is coming up. The 0-8 Detroit Lions are coming in, and today... On our show, we're going to have the privilege of having the great John Colt join us at 11 o'clock. Uh, he, yeah, and, you know, I had to do that because, you know, I had to make sure I got it to the ninjas because, you know what, I, I, sometimes I forget. Then the ninjas start attacking me and I'm in trouble. So the point is we got the ninjas going early. But John Colt will be coming on about 11 o'clock talking Hall of Honor, which is just an extraordinary thing that, uh, you know, to be – uh, blessed with. And then we're going to talk about ATP, Adventures in Training with a Purpose. And that's John's charity that he founded. And uh, he reaches out to people who uh, have sustained injuries in life and so forth and, and really helps them in the healing business, the healing process. Here he is, an offensive lineman, Max, delivering out tons of uh, punishment over the years. And now he's a healer of men. Well, I, I, I think, you know, that, 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 that's the awesome thing about offensive linemen. There's so much depth to us as people, Craig, you know. <laughs> I like that. Because Speak the, the truth, thing. brother. Speak it. Here's the thing. As much as we do dole out punishment to defenders, guys who threaten us, right, you know, that's the whole point of it. We defend against those threats, but we take care of our teammates. So we are, we're already in the nurturing business. We right. keep quarterback safe, running back safe as much as possible. We're there to help. We're helpers. We're the five helpers on the field because we get no stats. We help everybody else get stats. So it's no surprise that John follows that ethos of the offensive lineman, which is help those in need. And a quarterback and running back and all other guys on the offensive side of the ball are in need of our help. So it's only natural that we go disperse once once we get out of football. So that's what I'm going to say. So, yes, we do dole out punishment, but to those who deservedly deserve it. <laughs> deservedly deserve it. I love that. That's very good. You know what's really funny was, you know, I spent 20 years with – I had a gym. My wife and I had a gym, and we trained athletes and fighters. And it was a great experience, and I loved the martial arts. I loved training them. I loved the history and the culture of it. You know, but it was really funny because I remember sometime fairly early in, in my teaching career there, uh, over the 20 years, a gentleman came in, an older gentleman, and he sat and he just watched, you know, we had the ring and everything else, and guys were sparring and boom, boom, boom. <clears throat> Afterwards, it was really funny because he, he, I could tell he wanted to talk. He just kind of singled me out, boom, and came over after I was done. He said, young man, he said, which was very kind of him to say, young man, because <laughs> I wasn't that young <laughs> in my 40s, you know. And he said, you know, you're pretty good at teaching people to, to hurt each other. He goes, how are you at teaching people to help and heal each other. And that, like, just took me aback. You know I mean? I didn't know what to say. I was dumbfounded. And, you know, it really kind of changed my view of what it was about, you know, in teaching the martial arts and teaching boxing, you know, training and all that sort of stuff. And it became really an investment in people. And that's what I see in John. You know, John really invests in people. And just, you know, loves on them. People who, you know, have been through some tough stuff. People who are in need of healing. People who are, are still um, trying to get back on their feet or have suffered. You know, everything from PTSD to, you know, he just worked with Tunch, with ALS and everything, you know. So um, 
it's a it's an incredible charity. It's one that reaches out and is a, a, a healer in the process of healing people who have encountered some some adversity in their lives. I love that. I just love that. Yeah. No. I mean, it, it, and like you said, it, it's it's such an important thing um, when you have that heart to to just give fully. And I think that that's one of the cool things I look forward to uncovering with John is just kind of the motivation behind it, you know, what led to the initial thought to create the ATP. And and then of course, you know, to continue, I think that's important. And then, you know, who else can we possibly inspire that might've had that thought to then go down that same path? I mean, that's one of the cool things. That's why I love hearing about guys, passions and things that they love and that are personal to them. Cause there's usually a personal story involved with it. And hopefully we get to uncover that, you know, because last night I had the great opportunity of meeting some of some of the guys that are out here in our Phoenix chapter of the former players association. Right now, how, and, you, you told me yeah. off the air, how big, you know, I mean, you got a lot of people down there in the Valley yeah. of the sun. Yeah, we have uh, 458 because we cover the entire state. Yes, we are located in Phoenix because that's the highest concentration. But when we right. guys all the way down in in um, in Tucson and Oro Valley down there, and then we have guys as far west as you know Goodyear. So I mean, we have a large swath. But last night we had about 40 guys there, and you know it was my first time meeting them. I'm, I'm the vice president of the chapter out here. And it was just great to hear the stories because there's there, there's other guys like one guy who just moved out here, he's starting a behavioral and mental health uh, facility. For oh, really? Team. Yeah, that's cool. Health. So so you know so hearing that you know I would love to know more about that from John's side because here's another guy who's young and just starting this, but he has a passion for it because of his own upbringing and his background that led him to want to, to go down this path of service. So it's always cool because. That's the one thing. NFL players, we're so diverse in what we do after we leave this game. And it's like just bringing everybody together to see how you can help, right? How, how you help John's um, organization. You go out there and you donate your time and then you go to the gala. So it's, it's, it's about that synergy because we're, you know, the one thing we miss most as former players, Wolf, is the locker room. That right. camaraderie, that democracy, that environment of just breeding, you know, Thoughts, things of deeper, deeper and lesser thinking <laughs> um, <laughs> at times, but it's just about that brother because there's that commonality. But <clears throat> the biggest thing is if we can help, that's the one thing we love to do as right. players, right? Help our buddies. Yes, we might have bashed each other's skulls in on the field for years, <laughs> but as as retired guys, like it holds a different thing because we know we wear that red badge of courage, right? We've all gone through that similar process. And so to try and create that locker room atmosphere for the positive um, post-playing career is all we strive for. And what I strive for, you know, with the guys out here. So we kind of laid that groundwork last night with the meeting. We met like the top golf and uh, and guys came out. It, it was a beautiful thing to see guys just fraternizing old and young. You know, we right. had guys that were two years retired. And the guys who've been retired for 25, 30 years. Right. But everybody was common. Everybody shared a story. Everybody had laughs. And that that's the that's the cool thing about the human experience, right? Making those relationships and connections through the generations because there's a common thread for all of us. Well, it's like Jesus came to this earth to serve and not to be served. And I think that's part parcel. What you learn is to be when you're part of a team, when you're part of something bigger than yourself, 
you know, that you look forward to that part of being, some, again, something bigger. You know, John with ATP, I love the Light of Life rescue mission here on the north side, you know, the hands and feet of Jesus doing, uh, you know, work with the homeless for now over 60 years. All these things, you know, and it's, it's great for people to get involved. One of the things that always really it just amazed me was watching Troy Palomalu. Now, we all know Troy going to you know, Children's Hospital and things of that nature, uh, you know, and what, what how great that was uplifting to people. Just uh, the encouragement of, uh, you know, the big hair guy coming in, Troy, right? But one of the things yeah. I loved was on Fridays you saw – um, you would see um, kids that were in wheelchairs that were, that were bound, you know, and, and they'd come watch practice. One of the things I loved about Troy was he would get down on his knee and get eye to eye with the kids. You know, he wouldn't just stand over them, but he would be he'd make it personal, make it, you know, something that they, um, they they could touch, something that they could look at him, you know, just straight eye to eye. And I thought it was wonderful that to see him have that sort of instinctive. Let me draw close, you know, and, and, and encourage like that. I, I, I was always, you know, I just always appreciated him and what he did. Yeah, it's about the engagement, right? I, right. I think that's the biggest thing. And and so, you know, for a lot of us, we had we had big hearts in our time in Pittsburgh. And, you know, how do you, how do you share that? You go and because the ultimate thing that you can do as a human being on this earth is to do something for someone that you know can never repay you. Oh, yeah. That's the biggest honor. Yeah. And I think that's where the heart of community service, the heart of service comes from, is is that just basic credo, right? Because that's what Jesus gave to us. Right. You know, I'm not going to turn this in, into into a, a, you know. <laughs> you never a, know, a brother. Service. That's where the conversation we, we, we goes. Might, that's where we, we might, go. We might have sa- we might save somebody today. Okay. <laughs> I don't have holy water. Hopefully you do. Um, but, I, but, I, but, I think, but that's but what that, it's about, that's, though, right? That, I mean, that is, we're talking about. That is the about. ultimate thing. That's the ultimate service that you can do. And that's, the, that's at the core on why you should do community service and charity is because – you have the ability to right and you have the mindset to and the heart to do it because somebody at some point poured into you right never expecting anything in return Bam. And i think that that and i think that is for all of us as human if we just took that time to just say you know what it's bigger than myself i didn't get here by myself like someone had to take a time at some point Parent, mentor, uncle, grandparent, somebody, random stranger on the road, right? Somebody had to do something that triggered us to then continue up on that trajectory. And we don't know who that is because we're, if we're all still living, we've all had some influence on our life. That's <laughs> the one thing I can say, guaranteed. Somebody had an influence, whether you heard it on a radio show or you heard it on TV or met somebody at a speaking engagement or somebody came and spoke at your high school, your elementary school. At some point, somebody poured into you not knowing what that would do for someone else's life, but genuinely because they cared. So why not pay it forward to that next individual right. and continue that trend? So that's so that's one of the great things. And, you know, having John on here is going to be an awesome testimony to that. But I think even more so, for us in our daily lives to always just consider what if, what if I did this? How could I possibly change someone else's life? You know what's funny is you meet these rare individuals. One of the guys that has graced my life 
uh, a guy named Allen. Now, Allen was uh, he, he was had a high, very high position in a very big bank here in Pittsburgh, right, for years. And, I mean, it was, you know, it's a jet-setting type of lifestyle that you do. But it was really funny because he would train at my gym. And I remember him saying, you know, I got this itch. He goes, I don't know. But I feel like God's calling me. He says he retired, all right, and he went into uh, – he became a um, – uh, you know, a uh, medic on, you know, for uh, uh, ambulance, you know, uh, first responder, right? I mean, guy out there just uh, going out, and he got involved in, in uh, a homeless ministry in Pittsburgh, and then he took it down to where he is down in Carolina. And, you know, I love that about him, you know, that he would be so self, so self-sacrificing that he would, you know, forget – the accoutrements of that uh, great lifestyle and all the money he could make, and he laid that aside to you know to be, be in an ambulance, to ride with people in distress, to pray with people in their moment of distress. I mean, things like that. I just love that when I hear stories about men like this, men and women who are, are so self self sacrificing in their service. So it's a great example to us. It's a great encouragement to us being involved in team sports tends to give you that sort of that viewpoint because you realize really max um it's not about you it's about us you know that's what the team was it was about us and so you you tend to not look at yourself as an individual as much as a part of something bigger than yourself and and we're all and we're all members of something (laughs) you know what i'm saying (laughs) think about this i mean as life you're a member of your family first that's the first group or team that you become a part of (laughs) is your family good bad or indifferent and the thing is you can't choose your family unlike choosing a sports teammate (laughs) that's right because i think mine would have jettisoned me a long time ago (laughs) yeah i mean yes trust me we we all would have been up on the trading block um if if, if we if 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 some siblings had their way uh but but I think I think that's it, that, and that's the first team you identify with. But then, as life goes on, you identify with different teams, right? It becomes your classmates, right? In your class, with your teacher in elementary school, right? And then, as you get into sports, you choose what sports you want to go into, or you're forced into. Some parents will force their kids into sports <laughs> that they don't want to play. You got to do it at least once. I just need to see if you could do it or not. Um, and then, as a, then you get to choose those tags: what university you go to, then what job you take what role within that job you take and you pick up different teams along the way so you we all learn how to work within a team construct over time and that charity is just simply that other arm of it where you get to choose where you choose to put your energy and time into or that effort to go do something for someone that you don't know because you can and you have the ability to so speaking to your friend alan like it's, it's having a servant's mindset right right of being of service of servitude to others in need and not because it's something that oh my gosh i was forced to go do this it's more so because i i have the ability to do it and i know that i I will make a difference in someone's life even if they can never repay me right i know that i made a difference in their life and that's the ultimate thing that you can do as a human being on this earth I'll tell you one of the funniest stories. I'll try to be quick because we're going we're gonna to go to break here. But, you know, when I first got involved with Light of Life Rescue Mission on the, on the north side here, it was all Tunch. Tunch got involved, you know, and he was been there since like 86, you know. So it was during our playing career, and he was always telling me, look, come down here. Uh, 
you go through those doors, you come back out, and, and you'll never be the same. You'll, your worldview will totally shift. Because, you know, homelessness, homelessness wasn't a big issue back in the 80s like it is more today. You know, back then, back yeah. then it was just, it was, a pro, it was, you know, an increasing problem, but it wasn't, I don't know, it just didn't, at least it wasn't as talked about as much. So anyhow, I said to Tunch, I go, well, you know, um, some of these other charities, you know, they got these great, like, dinners they have. And he goes, would you stop? It's not always about the food. <laughs> he said, you got to come down. Forget the food. Forget about the dinners, right? <laughs> it, it, it's better to give than to receive. But every once in a while, receiving is just as good as giving. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Let, let, Absolutely. Let, let, I'm just saying. I mean, it, I'm going to donate 40-plus hours of my time. <laughs> it's not bad to have, you know, um, one meal in the let, process. Let, you know, yeah, I'm you know. Just just, okay. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's like a thank you. Okay, I got it. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'll keep doing this. But thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's our locker room. This, this is what it is. The first, the first segment is the locker room warm up, baby. We're just getting through the stretches. Exactly. But we'll that's come it. back with more. We got the meat and potatoes coming up as we talk about the Detroit Lions, John Colbin, all things Hall of Honor coming up, and back in the locker room here. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Wolf, Starks, and the Ninjas bringing it to you on a Friday before the kickoff Sunday, which, by the way, Max, I just heard the weather report. They're saying a high of 43 and rainy. So bring your rain gear. Be warm. You know, you don't have that thicker oil in your blood like I do. You know, because I'm I'm a northeastern guy. Been northeastern yeah. my whole life. You know, I mean, you yeah. thinned out in in Florida, your blood thins out, and in Phoenix, your blood thins out. But you know what? I'm like twenty twenty weight oil up here. You know, what I mean. Yeah, you know, so, sometimes you know the faster vehicles, you know, need need a thinner lube. You know, I mean. <laughs> We heat up quickly. I'm just saying. I, I can sweat in a snowstorm, though, so it's, it's all good. <laughs> What's uh, the coldest weather you ever played in? Did you ever uh, get below zero wind chill? Oh, yeah. 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 That, that that Cleveland game back in, like, Oh, 07. I remember. Yes. Where that was Allen miserable because like, I was on the yeah. sidelines then. Yeah, see, you were on the sidelines. I remember yeah, that. Allen, Allen was shaving off the tips of his fingers because uh, they were getting frostbite in them. So, Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's the coldest and i learned very quickly don't put your hand in the ground everything's from a two-point everything's from a two-point when you get into those conditions <laughs> all right max let me ask you what does anything scare you about this detroit lions team i mean as you look at it now we've had a chance to watch some film and go over some stuff and what jumps out at you what bothers you what doesn't well first thing is you know Anytime you deal with a feral animal, such as an 0-8 uh, football team, right. that, that's a feral animal at that point, right? Because you don't know what it's going to do. You just know that I can't let it scratch and claw me because it, it, might, it, might, it might get me infected, right, <laughs> if, it, if, it, if it gets a wound open. Well, I think that's let me just give you a saying. Yeah. Chuck Noll used to always say, don't lie down with sleeping dogs. All you'll do is get fleas. Correct. Correct. <laughs> and, I think, uh, and I think that's kind of how you have to look at it, right? You have to look at it as – this team, like we saw last night, 
with the right. Miami Dolphins. Good point. Right? The Baltimore Ravens went in. We're big, bad, six and two. This team is one and six or one and seven. Um, this will be easy, right? You, know, you don't want to say that mentally you overlook them, but physically you don't put it you don't put your all out there. Right. Because you think that I can just get by by showing up. And I think the one thing that the Steelers hopefully should have learned from week one to now, week nine, uh, uh, week <laughs> ten of the season, is that we can't just show up and beat anybody. Anymore. Right. We got to come out there and we have to take the sledgehammer and we have we have to crack, crack that foundation. Right. We have to we have to split this slab as soon as possible and we have to keep on hammering. We don't have a jackhammer anymore. Right. Where you can just tur- hit a button and just hold it in place. <laughs> yep. We got to physically do the labor. So that's the first thing. The Steelers have to come out and they have to go win this game. It's not about we're going to show up and it's a gimme game. I think Coach Tomlin did that in his press conference, reiterating it o- over and over. This is not. We, there's no FCS games on this schedule, so you can't look at a team's record and make a value judgment about them. Because just if we've seen teams that are that that have no wins will suddenly get a win because a team takes them for granted. We can't do that first and foremost. And this is a team, they have some good skill positions, right? But it just hasn't all come together. And I think that's what we have to keep mindful of because DeAndre Swift can't hurt can't, uh, DeAndre Swift can't hurt you. Right. And if you don't eye in and tackle, like Tom Bradley always talks about, right? Take the extra step, see it up, wrap up. And I think that's one. T.J. Hawkinson's another guy. And Jared Goff, listen, if you take Jared Goff for granted, Jared Goff can beat you. But you have to continually make Jared Goff uncomfortable um, in this. And this is a team that has big boys up front. So just what we faced in the previous NFC North opponent is what we're going to face this time around. Because Michael Brockers is a big dude. Aleem McNeil is a big dude. Nick Williams a guy who we've had here before, is a big dude. They're there to stop the run. Right. And they're not going to let you run on them, but you can run on them. You can. So that's one of the things that show me Kendrick Green, who's dealing who's dealing with his hamstring issue. Right, right? we got you some know, issues we'll get, there. We'll get to that. We'll, 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 get, we'll get to the injury report. But Kendrick Green, you're going to have to show me that you've grown up, buddy, because you're going to have a couple of singled-up opportunities. This is a 3-4 defense. So guess what? That means zero no's which means he's head up right over you, breathing in your face, breathing on the ball. He's going to be tired just like you're going to be tired. And when y'all lean on each other, make sure he does not fall off into a tackle. <laughs> you know <what laughs> exactly so. So, so, that's what they, so that's what they need. They, they, they need to make sure they go out and they go out and they take this victory and they go play as though they need to win as opposed to expecting a win. You know, I like how you put that. And here's the thing about it. You know, when I look at these things, I try to look at it through the, I don't know, my own eyes, you know, as an offensive lineman. When I would, back in the day, you, you break it down. Now, the problem is what really scares me about the Detroit Lions is that nothing scares me. And that's what I hate that. You know, because you go yeah. in, back in my day, you go against the Dallas Cowboys, and there was Randy White, a future Hall of Famer. Okay, there's a legitimate reason to get that that fear in you. Now, it's not a fear of like, oh, boy, it's going to – no, it's it's knowing that if you don't bring your best game, you could have the worst day of your life. You know what I mean? So there's yeah. that fear about knowing that guy over you, Reggie White. 
you know, somebody like that 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 really can can torture you. Now, of course, anybody in this big league can do that. But there is there's different levels, different manifestations, things that, you know, you bring different RPM levels in your gourd every week, you know, because there is a Randy White or a Reggie White that, that drives those mental RPMs to a higher level. So you are a little more intense, you know, because it naturally pulls you forward. I mean, it's the human element. Nobody is, is you know, uh, maddeningly intense each and every week at the top level of their game. You bring different levels. Even TJ TJ Watt has some down times, you know. Those things do happen. Yeah. But the fact is, you know, you, you look at this team, and that's what really bothers me. So then you start looking at the fact that, okay, now it's about personalizing the whole thing, making sure that you're, you win your individual battle. That's what Chuck always used to do. Chuck would always come along and go, all right, so this team is oh and whatever. But then it, it was this breaking down individually so that your peer pressure becomes that, that also kick in the pants that you might need to, like, get your mental RPMs going, you know, up, up uh, a notch or two more. So those sorts of things come in. And I look at this thing, and you think – this is a perfect time for the Steelers to be able to run the ball. If you've got a cold weather day that could be a little bit rainy with a defense that is probably the the most uh, well, it's it's probably the worst rushing defensive front that they've faced thus yeah. far. Okay, so you look at that and you're like going, this could be a cold red body beatdown. This is an opportunity for the offensive line to regain their mojo and come out and have at it. And I really hope this is sort of that solidifying moment where they come together as a group and say, and we've, we've heard, you know, uh, Trey Turner talk about it. It's time for us to go, grow up and get the job done and do this together as a unit. And you know how that is, Max. Offensive lines come together, and it takes a while to be able to get that thing gelled together and locked down tight. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think the biggest thing is is that when you look at where this squad is, it is it is one of the things where I look at the Lions and I say there's some things that we hope don't hit this week <laughs> as far as them putting it together. Right. But you're getting Taylor Decker back, right? Your, your actual starting left tackle. Yes. And you and so now that bumps the rookie Penae Sewell, who's going to be their left tackle eventually, but has not looked like a left tackle right now. No. I mean, the kid is A, young, had a year off from college football and got drafted high. So a lot of expectations for him. He's now going back to the right side. So now you're getting back to your homeostasis with where you wanted your tackles to be. And then, yes, you don't have Frank Rag now, who's a, who's a hell of a talented senator. You got a replacement. So, there, so now there's still that weakness in the middle. So you have opportunities. You just can't overlook those opportunities. And I think for the offensive line, yes, you will have Trey Flowers, a guy who we know when he was in New England was really good. Not as good now because maybe that's the team. But I think also the psyche and the confidence leads to that, right? If you go in this game, if they believe that they're going to lose and you make them feel like that and it gets into their mind, yes, you will win. But you have to go out there and do it because they're still searching for that first victory and they're willing to do whatever it takes wildcat, onside kicks, fake punts, the whole gamut is available right. to you. And that's what's scary, right? Right. a team that's won before is going to go with their formula. Ah, this is what we do. This is how we win. We're not breaking right. form. And then you get that one guy who's unorthodox right in the ring, 
and all he wants to do is throw haymakers and overhand rights. And you're like, oh, crap, I'm used to a jab, jab, cross right. or an uppercut, and this dude's throwing haymakers at me. I can't let him catch me slipping and him catch my jaw just right. That's what you're facing with Detroit, a guy who – a team who is willing to do whatever, and Dan Campbell said it in his first interview. He's willing to bite kneecaps. Yep. So if a guy's willing to bite kneecaps, you need to wear shin guards. <laughs> That's There's no, no <laughs> doubt about it. Look, there's nothing as dangerous as a team, an individual, or a group that has nothing to lose. You know, and they've really yeah. got nothing to lose at this point. Guys are playing for a contract. You know, they're everything's playing. Everything's on the table. Everything's <laughs> on the table. I like that biting kneecaps. You know, I, I never thought about, you know, I've heard ankle biters, you know, um, finger biters. You know, my sister, Lenray, when we were growing up, she, she, she was, my mom, this is really, really bummer, right? She put us in the uh, nursery, you know, when you're like two or something yeah. like that. And, and Lenray, my sister, Lenray, was a known biter. And <laughs> she might bite the other little kids. So when my mom came in, Hoopy comes in, and all the other mothers are looking at her like, oh, your kid bit my kid. You know? Yeah. <laughs> She's a known biter. Look out. Dan, yeah, exactly. Dan Campbell is a known biter. He's talked about it. Protect your yeah. kneecaps. That's for sure. You don't want to get kneecapped uh, going no. into this game. And certainly, here's the thing about it. One of the ways you're going to get kneecapped is if you start slow, if you come out of the gate slow, because if you give them any sort of encouragement, and that's going to be also at the start of the second half, because the biggest problem, Max, is I look at, at this and I go, are you kidding me? I mean, you look at the, the stats, and I got them right here if I can find my glasses. All right. Um, in the first half, in this four-game win streak, all right, the Steelers have been – they've uh, they outscored their opponent 48-12. to 12, But in the second half, they've been outscored 64-46. to 46. Now, that to me, that spells trouble when you're looking at a team like the Detroit Lions. You've got to make yeah. sure that you don't give them that encouragement. Yeah, no, when you pile the dirt on, continue to pile the dirt on. Right. Right? 14-point leads are not good enough. You know, 14 points are great at the end of the half to have that lead, but in the second half it needs to be 20. It needs to be 28 so that you continue to pile. And it needs to come in the third quarter, right? Right. I don't want to hear the fourth quarter late heroics, the game-winning drive. Ben has 50 of those. He doesn't need 51 this week. You know what I'm saying? Like – Make sure that he's in a position to where he does not have to stress it, that you can get into four-minute offense and run the ball and let Najee continue to pile up stats. That's where you want to be at, and that's what I think the mindset has to be. This is a great game to test that, that theory out, right? When we have the lead, we continue to put our foot on the gas pedal and mow down anybody that stands in the way. We're trying to get our RPMs up, right? We're trying to get right. 85 miles an hour like the DeLorean <laughs> and back to the future. I don't need to go down to 65. <laughs> exactly so. All right, we'll be back with more in the locker room. Coming up at the top of the hour, the great John Kolb going to be here in the locker room with us. We'll be back with more. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back, everybody. All right. Max, you got the 0-8 Lions coming to town, okay? So the Lions in this, this uh, I, I forgot who wrote this piece. It was a great piece. that uh, you, you, To do the math on this, the Lions in even-numbered games, they've lost by 18, 10, 23, and 38 points. That's a lot. 
All right, that's a lot. It's called blowing the doors off. Exactly. (laughs) But the odd-numbered games, you know, like one and three and stuff like that, they've lost by eight, two, two, and nine points. Now, I know there's nothing more dangerous, as we've talked about, than a, a team that's got nothing to lose. And against the Rams, as you pointed out earlier, they went onside kick and fake punt also. Um, but coming off a of bye week and going with that sort of like uh, you know funny sorts of numbers, what do you think? I mean, you know they're they're going to come out and give their best shot at the Steelers because you've had a whole bye week, and in their mind you got to be thinking this is the best way or best opportunity for us to get off the schneid here as an zero and eight team and get that first win. So, what do you think about those numbers? I hear those numbers and. You know, I think about, yes, evens and odds, but I like what the even has because this is an even football week. How's that? It's week, it's week 10. It's week 10 <laughs> in the season. <laughs> we're counting the bye. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We're counting the bye because, it, like we said, even and odd. <laughs> I don't care if it's an odd number game for them. That's the reason why they're 0-8. If they're, if they're waiting for odd number games to win, that's a loser's mentality. But I was say, <laughs> this is an even week. What? What? Who's to say we can't go blow you out by 18 and 21 points? I would love that. For my mental state, that would be tremendous, right, on the sidelines. Um, but I think I think that is interesting that they do play better after they've gotten a warm-up. But I think because they've had the bye, right, yes, you've gotten healthy and everything else, but maybe you got out of rhythm. Because True. Because you did get healthy and you got guys returning. Um you know, I think that is that is a pretty crazy stat when you think about it. And trust me, after la- watching the last uh, week and a half of football, I'm counting last night as as a half. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, crazier things have happened. Um, you know, around the league, teams that we did not expect to be good um, turn out to now start to look like they're good, and teams that were bad are not as bad as we think because they beat some teams that were good. You know, I I point to that Jacksonville beating. Buffalo. Oh, how about right? that? Yeah. It was like it was like what and it was an ugly 9 to 6 game last night. The you know, the Dolphins are like why didn't we trade for Deshaun Watson? Why do we now and 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 Tua is injured again. Tua is the backup in this game but has to finish this game because Jacoby Brissett gets injured. Like crazy things happen and that's why I think you can't take anything for granted. And that's why you have to go out there and you have to play full board as though you're playing yourself. Yes. Because there's no tougher competition than playing yourself, right? Because I know me better than anybody else can. Any other defender watching film, they don't know me as well as I know myself. I know how to beat myself. And if you think about playing yourself and trying to beat yourself, it's going to be that much tougher. It's just like when you play chess by yourself. And you're playing. I never black do. And the white. I never okay, do. Well, That's it's too well, complicated. I, did, well, I have. I have. Okay. And, and, All right. It's tough because you know your own counters, but yet you have to figure out how can I trick myself out to gain an advantage in this because there's somebody that knows me so well. That's how the Steelers kind of have to approach. Wait, this. wait, wait. How you're, do you do this? How do you sit there and play chess against yourself going, okay, I got the queen, the bishop, or something, whatever, uh, only I've heard terminology like that, to five. I mean, you know, And then good. you turn around yeah. the board and you're thinking, okay, I got to trick myself. How do you trick well, yourself? Yeah. Well, I, ha- I have to beat what he's trying to set up, right? You know, that's, that's what you're thinking. You know, you have to and, – and, hey, it's tough. And you get to a lot of stalemates, but you're like, okay – how can I get a victory next time if I'm in this position as white? If I set up with this type of 
type of defense, you know, can can I beat it, right? I mean, that's that's one of the biggest things that you look at. And so I think that's the true challenge, you know, of it all, right? Because it's like, how can I do this? It seems improbable, but that's how you have to kind of have that mindset. All right, now let me ask you, like do this. you actually, like, get up and walk to the other side of the chessboard? <laughs> Absolutely not. That's why you spin. That's why you spin the board. Duh. Okay. <laughs> Duh. Work, work smarter, not harder. <laughs> I'm not I trying love to get it. those extra extra fifty steps in and around. No. Uh, get your fat guy <laughs> steps in. Yeah, exactly. Spin that board spin around. It. But I th- but I think this is this is the perfect exercise where this is applicable against the Lions, right? Because like you said, there's nothing that scares me on paper. Right. Right. There, there's nothing. The run defense looks bad on paper, but we still got to go play the game. If if we had games where it's like, oh, they're going to win, we wouldn't play the sport, right? Because you can't account for that human factor. You can't account for that heart, the size of the heart. You can't measure it. It's inside the body. You assume it's bigger or smaller. But what I can do is I can play the best game for me and be, try, try and be better than my current state itself. I can ascend playing-wise – and it doesn't matter. I think that's why Mike T always uses that thing, nameless gray faces, right? Right. Because you can put whatever in your mind and project on that empty piece of clay across from you. Sure. So I would rather pick the most vicious version and try and beat myself in that situation and make myself better because that's the toughest game plan. How do you, how do you plan for yourself? And if you take that type of mindset into the game, nothing surprises you, right? Right. Because I know what's going to happen. I'm trying to combat and trying to be the best version of myself and not rest on my laurels, not look at some stats, not look at how they played the last couple of weeks and say, ah, he doesn't really do that move. He might do that move in this game, so prepare for it. I would do that move against me because if I'm susceptible to it, that's something that they're seeing. So that's what we talked about early in the year about self-scouting yourself, making yourself better is by self-scouting yourself, watching your game film from a critical eye, and then writing what you don't do well down so that you can practice that and get better for the next game. Because once you put it on tape one week, right, you will see it the next four weeks. Absolutely. So they're looking at what you do wrong, Dan Moore. They're looking at what you do wrong, Alex Highsmith. They're looking at what you don't do as well, Kendrick Green. They're looking at what you don't do well, Isaiah Bucks. They're looking at what you don't do well, and you have to plan and anticipate that they're going to do that against you. That's exactly so if you the point. you know that beforehand, you're better able to, to, to combat that. Well, there's no doubt that the self-scouting is so very important. And I mean, that's really what it's about, each player, that you have to evaluate, evaluate yourself in a truthful manner. You know, some guys, they put the blinders on and they never even consider where they are as a player. You know, they, they look at the opponent all the time, but they don't often take the time to self-examine and look at what they're doing. Are you preparing, for instance, are you preparing the best way, you know, during the week? Are you getting your mental gymnastics in? Are you watching enough film? Are you doing the prehab, rehab stuff? Are you getting your weight and conditioning work done uh, throughout the, the, the week? You know, I mean, those are important factors to consider. Then you got to look at it, all right, run blocking-wise. What is the thing that I have the biggest problem with? You know, that might be getting learning to trap, re- getting up in the line, getting the inside-out position, or the fact that you have trouble dif- differentiating between the trap and the log, knowing when to log with your inside shoulder and turn the guy in, that sort of stuff. Uh, there's pass protection things. We, you know, your footwork. 
You know, how do you, how does your footwork, are you losing, are you getting caught with your feet together? One of the things that happens most often to young guys, people don't understand that, and at offensive tackle and guard to a certain extent, if you shuffle step instead of step slide, where you step and then drag a foot so you always create friction and you stay in contact with the ground, if you shuffle your feet, you can get knocked to, you know, butt over tea kettle with your feet together. And that's one of the biggest things that you, you learn with is with off, young offensive linemen is they're not aware of their feet. You know, for defensive linemen, it's about being able to get your hands up and get the lockout in as quickly as possible. It's not about headbutt do gap. So these are all things that, you know, that manifest themselves at certain points in time. Hopefully for the young people, they're doing something to self-examine, and that's what coaching is. It's about examining the others and raising their awareness to the players. And so I, I, I look at this, and I think this is a great opportunity in my mind right now to be able to come out and have a, a nice, as subtle as a frying pan, you know, f- to the forehead type of afternoon get-together with the Detroit Lions. Because, again, you're talking about, and I'm sorry for you, my friend, but it's going to be a little wet. It's going to be a high of, like, 43. Uh, that's perfect run conditions because, you know, us, us us hogs, we can run all day in that sort of weather. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing. You know, you, you want you – want, the biggest thing is, right, why do you have water in your car under the hood? Is to keep everything cool, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Engines overheat, offensive linemen overheat. That's so you right. Gotta, you got to keep that. You got to keep that liquid and that lube going through. Not only the oil, but water in there to keep that engine temp down. <laughs> you know that's why there's a radiator. Uh, you know, so exactly. same thing applies. You get you got the radiator with the weather outside. Now let's see that engine rev up, right? I want to see six thousand RPMs. And I want to see it go into a full frontal car crash. And I want you to continue to wedge your way through um, as a battering ram and not just as, as a dam, right? Trying to contain it. You know, you need to be the one trying to bust it wide open. <laughs> Do you think? No. And by the way, you know, I just saw Najee. Najee has been yeah. added to the, you know, the injury list. Now, he, he still yeah. participated full, I think. Um, I have to check. But, uh, you know, I'm sitting there thinking because – Sunday is an opportunity to go 30 rushes or 30 touches anyhow. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's an opportunity where I hope he's, he's you know, fully back and, and, and feeling good because just the thought of him being able to take that rock and go time after time, boom, boom, boom. Uh, you get a lead up on the Detroit Lions and you start to batter them so that physically they got to lift themselves off the ground, which is going to be wet. They're going to be cold. They're an indoor team, believe it or not. You've got to the Detroit yeah. Lions are an indoor oh, team. Field. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. So how how uh, great would that be to have a battering ram of Najee Harris uh, d- going at it and, and sending the Lions back to Detroit like that? Listen, I don't know if you've ever gone hog hunting. Uh, I, have, I have not gone hog hunting. Yeah. I've eaten yeah, the hog just- after the hunting, but – that's it. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying, you know, if you get in those wet conditions, a grease pig's the toughest thing to catch, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you want Najee to be. I know I know he's a crimson tider, you know, it's an elephant, right? Whatever. But I was like, but sometimes you need you need a little SEC help from your SEC. Wait a minute, what's a crimson tider? It's an elephant's the mascot. An elephant's Is it the really? Mascot. Yeah. It's I never mascot. knew that. Well, I don't pay yes. attention to Alabama much, you know. It's, it's, well, you, you should. We, we, we have guys from those schools. 
<laughs> that's true. And, that's and very true. Fo- it is a football factory down there. <laughs> Unknown fact, all right? Okay. Nick Saban was on the Syracuse staff in, I think, 1977 when I was there. Nick oh, Saban wow. was there. Yeah, how about that? There we go. Sabinator. All right. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Who knew the greatness that lay in wait yeah, for Nick Saban? Uh, you well, know, I mean, just think about it. Bill Belichick got fired from the Browns. Go figure, right? Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Look at him now. Two biggest <laughs> mysteries. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we are going to get John Kolb in the locker room talking about the Hall of Honor and talking about adventures and training with a purpose and what led him to jump in on that. And anything that he wants to talk about, we will talk about also. So stick with us. We'll be right back after this.